If it don't pick up that, at least it'll pick up me talking. Uh, Alright, we can go question one, number one. Uh, training and uh, training and background as a criminal investigator, what would you say that's, that's like? It just depends. It's different from the police department. Right. I started out in Central Florida 31 years ago. All right. Their police academies you had to go through was pretty laid back and easy. It was held at the college. Right. It was like going taking college courses. Other than going out and shooting and doing some self-defense and drives and all that kind of stuff. So big? Yeah. Nashville's a different story. Nashville's police academy is just like boot camp. So it's different, it's different, like you said, different in different places. And Nashville, I guess, was a little bit more top-notch than Florida was. I wouldn't necessarily say top-notch. More uh, discipline, more structure. Okay, okay. Um, can you talk about uh, your case success rate? It's kind of hard to, to gauge mine. Okay. success rate right. because being a midnight shift detective right. they'll assign me cases that just need to be closed out because say it was like something that needed to be unfounded it didn't really happen or it didn't happen the way they said it did or patrol supervisors that something to the shootings and the stabbings and, and the robberies and all that stuff. Right. On average, a month, I will probably respond to at least 20 robberies wow. in a month. Wow. And though they don't assign those to me unless I make an arrest. So I'll go out, I'll interview the victim, any witnesses, collect whatever information, I, any evidence that I can, write up an email, and then we've got four detectives that do nothing but robberies. Okay. They're on day shift and evening shift, so they'll get all those cases assigned that I wasn't able to close on the night shift. Okay. The shootings and stabbings, if, if they die, I've got a team on day shift that I call in. They come in and they work the death investigation as lead, and then I assist them. If I work a shooting or a stabbing where somebody doesn't die, and I've got a suspect there and I make an arrest, they'll assign that one to me. Oh, okay. So success rate or uh, closure rate is kind of difficult to judge on mine. It's top and turvy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that, that actually leads into question number three because. Uh, what was your most challenging investigation? Because that's almost like success rate and 20, challenging. 
21 years ago. I was working for a smaller department north of here, and I was the only detective on the department. I was also one of the only uh, detectives in the, that area that was certified to investigate child sex abuse. And I had a, a grandfather bring his grandson in and reported that he was being molested. Come to find out he was being molested by his stepdad. And he also had twin-year-old, twin brothers that were six. So there was a nine-year-old and twin six-year-olds being molested by their stepdad. I, I did that entire case by myself. Started out interviewing the child, then I interviewed the suspect who gave me a graphic confession. And then I had to interview the six-year-old twins. I wound up charging that guy with 52 counts of rape of the child. And he's, he's got another almost 10 years left to serve. And like I said, that was 21 years ago. Because that, that, that goes into, that was a, a successful case, yeah. and a challenging one at the same time. Because of the, the facts of the case, yeah. Yes, all right, all right. And they said, well, can you describe the proper evidence collection techniques employed by investigators? Because that can go into basically the last case you just explained, right? That, that case, it was just all interviews and the, the information that the, the kids had given me. Any of the robberies and shootings and stuff like that. And then the interviews, of course, is the first first part of the evidence. If there were any shots fired, shell casings, um, property was taken, if a cell phone was taken, we can usually track those and find find the suspect. Video surveillance, if there's any video surveillance anywhere, we'll collect that as evidence. Convenience stores. Convenience stores have an awesome video most of the time. So I work a robbery in there. I've usually got really good video and sometimes audio. Oh, okay. Well, a lot of, I know a lot of places, they don't have audio. They don't have audio. They just have video. Does that make that harder? You know, if they have, don't have audio? Not really. No. Oh, okay. It just, it's just another feather in your hat if you've got the audio to help close up the case, cinch up the case a little bit. Because oh, okay. you know exactly what the suspect told him. Right. Okay. Um, what qualities make someone a great investigator? Patience. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Not being hot-headed. Right. Attention to detail. Being able to communicate with people. To get the people to tell you what you need to know. Right. Confessions are very important and if you don't have the right personality you're not going to get a confession right i'm sure but uh, so that when we see a lot of times in the movies we see the good cop bad cop always being played i mean is that actually something that's used or is that just for movies it's used but nowhere near to the extent that they show you in the movies oh okay oh, okay one, one, per, one detective will sit down and just talk to him like we're talking and the other one will ask the accusatory questions. Oh, okay, so you're saying. So that, that, that basically tells the good cop, bad cop. It's not actually done how it's done in movies, but it, it is a technique too that is you. Um, have you ever been afraid during an investigation? Afraid of failure. Afraid of failure? Um, 
As a detective, not really. But I worked undercover narcotics for a couple of years in Florida. And there were several incidences where I bought and sold drugs while having a gun stuck in my belt. So that's, I mean, I'm sure that's a, a fearful oh, yeah. yeah. Um, another movie question. In movies, we always see the detectives use different skills to solve a piece. Do you think the movies depict the detectives well? Some do. Some don't. Because most, most of it is exaggerated. Yeah. Exaggerated skills. I'd say probably 75% of what you see in the movies is exaggerated. Oh, okay. Two sentences explain your first investigation. My first investigation? Right. I was working on another, another department, small department, and I had been hired in as their detective because I had experience elsewhere. And it's going to be more two sentences. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the chief hired me, but he was hesitant. Right. He called me a uh, soft-spoken pretty boy, and he didn't think I was going to last very long in, in his redneck city, as he put it. And my first investigation he gave me was a stolen car. And he, he had very little details other than the guy said he had some girl over and she stole his car. Well, I went up and interviewed him. And he admitted that he had been down to Nashville, picked up two prostitutes, took them back, had his way with them, fell asleep, and had bought drugs for them well, after he fell asleep when they took the car. Gave me their names. They had been arrested in Nashville in the car, so they were in jail down here. So I came down, interviewed them, got confessions from both of them. Went back up gave him the case and I said, well, am I still considered a, uh, a soft-spoken pretty boy? He goes, nah, I think you're going to work out fine. <laughs> Just a little, a little bit of uh, great tactics, yeah. you know, great, basically like we mentioned in the beginning, great schooling, great uh, experience, yeah. and all those things come into play because I'm guessing, I'm guessing that, you know, when you first investigate, your first investigation is not actually your first investigation. Right. Because you've been doing the training and everything anyway, so... It's just basically getting out there in the field and getting the experience. Yeah. Oh, the patrol officers out on the on the, on the street, they're talking to people all the time and building those communication skills. And that's the most important thing, right there. Right. So I mean, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of uh, community service goes into it too. Right. You know, a lot of getting along with the public and uh, different things of that nature. So does the um, the precincts and different things of that nature, do they usually have like employee and community outreach programs? We've got a, com a community affairs sergeant, and uh, that's his job is to, to go out and do the community, uh, like neighborhood communities, um, homeowners associations, they go out to all those meetings, and, and they're building community contacts that way. My job's a little bit different because I'm dealing with that 10% of the population that's not on the up and up. And you've got to sometimes make friends with some of the really seedy characters to get them to give you information on something that somebody else is doing. Right, right, I see. Okay. Um, 
I mean, in a, in a case of no leads, no one wants to talk. Where did you, where did that, where does that usually go? If you don't have any other evidence, it's usually a dead end. If you can't get people to talk to you. Right, so it, it, the investigation is for, it goes into a, is that a cold case file? Yeah. But eventually somebody will pick that up. Depends on what the case is. If it's a homicide, yes. Yeah. I, 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 I